Money FM 89.3, best of breakfast. Welcome to the Breakfast Show's monthly environment special, Climate Connections. A tiny pop, an egg just about half a millimetre wide emerges, and another. Very soon, the ocean water is filled with millions of tiny coral eggs and sperms, almost like an underwater blizzard with millions of colourful flakes cascading in white, yellow, red and pink. It's a phenomenon known as synchronised coral spawning or breeding, one of nature's most spectacular events underwater that typically happens at night within a tight time window of 10 minutes to half an hour. It's a rare sight that marine scientists in Singapore are treated to in recent years. Associate Professor Huang Danwei from the Lee Kong Chen Natural History Museum at the National University of Singapore is one of the key marine biologists keeping tabs on the coral reefs in our waters. Currently, we know that there are many species of reef organisms that live on our reefs in just a very small area of 13 kilometers square. And that goes from fish to corals and to other invertebrates such as crustaceans and mollusks. We know that there have been about 250 species of corals that have been recorded in our waters over nearly two centuries of collections and research. It can be quite challenging to uh, estimate what are the numbers at each point in time, but we know that over the last uh, two to three decades, the numbers have hovered around about 150 species that are commonly recorded. There are many rare species, as there are at many sites, so certain species are just recorded fewer times, and at certain points they are not recorded just simply because we have not surveyed as frequently. But in the last two to three decades, the conditions have generally been quite stable in terms of the number of species of reef organisms, but also in terms of the environmental condition. But the situation has not always been rosy. With climate change, our seas are warming. Back in 2016 and 2017, over a thousand kilometres of the Great Barrier Reef in Australia bleached. When the temperatures climbed by just a degree or two, the corals expelled the microscopic plants that live within their tissues, the main source of the colour and nourishment. As a result, they turn white and eventually die. In fact, half of all shallow coral reefs globally have already died. Professor Huang says that he's seen firsthand how reefs in Singapore too were not spared. There were up to 70 to 80% of corals that were bleached. However, the impacts were quite variable among sites. So in certain sites, you would see a lot of bleaching but limited mortality. They actually recovered the coloration, recovered their symbionts, and then they continued to live. Uh, what we can say is that all the sites that have bleached have recovered since 2016. Certain sites took a year, those that were not as affected, but especially those sites where there were a lot of coral species and they were considered to be in better conditions, they actually were more affected by the bleaching. And it took them up to about five years for the reefs to recover to pre-bleaching levels. So the levels of 2015 uh, were only seen in 2021. That was about two years ago. So it did take about half a decade for certain reefs to recover, especially if they were badly affected. Beyond the threat of bleaching, 60% of Singapore's reef area has been lost to land reclamation. Coral restoration is already in the works, with more than 700 corals planted and 16 artificial reef structures installed underwater to boost the reefs at Sisters Island's marine park. 
a promising start, but scientists from NPARCS have set a more ambitious target. Dr. Karen Toon, Director for Coastal and Marine and Terrestrial Branches at NPARCS's National Biodiversity Centre, says they'll be progressively planting and growing 100,000 corals in Singapore's waters over the next decade through a step-by-step approach guided by research knowledge built over the years. One of the biggest challenge is really having the appropriate nursery environment to grow the corals. It was a learning curve in the last few years. The water temperature needs to be right if we are not able to manage the water temperature in the aquarium and the aquarium facility that we are holding the corals. That could impact the corals. It could result in a lot of algae growing within the coral tanks itself, but it could also kill the coral. So uh, I think just having a proper aquarium set up is really important to ensure that the corals that we grow are healthy. So we've learned that there are situations where we might need chillers. So basically, it's like your little aircon to cool down your water. So that might be required at certain times of the year. These need to be incorporated into the nursery, the enhanced nursery that we are building. Space is also an issue. Um, We can only grow a certain number of corals in a small tank, so we need to actually upscale the nursery area that we are going to grow the corals in. So we are working with the St. John's Island National Marine Lab now to uh, enhance these nursery areas and to increase the facility so we can grow more corals at any one point in time. So it is really about um, having the ideal environment to grow the corals, but also a good workflow. Because as you grow the corals and you move them out, then you grow new corals to move it there. So we need to have sufficient manpower. That's really essential. It's like gardening. If you don't maintain it, they will not survive. So we need people to help do that on a daily basis. So we need manpower to ensure that we can grow and keep the corals healthy until they're large enough to move up. The restoration process doesn't stop there. Dr. Toon says identifying the most suitable reef transplant location is just as crucial. We'll be undertaking a survey to identify these areas. Of course, we are limited to our waters, so it will be within areas in Singapore. Uh, Our target would be degraded areas that might need some help to kickstart the recovery process. If we identify these areas, if they need some help to be enhanced, we'll have to work on that first before we can move out the corals too. We'll also be looking at other areas like maybe artificial seawalls that have no corals there, then we we can move some of the corals there to kickstart that process of colonization. A recent research project done by the St. John's Island Marine Lab identified what they call the lower reef environment, uh, which is basically reefs uh, below 5 meter depth in our waters. And many of these areas are quite degraded. There's actually very little corals there. In many of these areas, there's less than 5% of corals growing in these areas. And the research has shown that uh, moving the suitable coral species in these areas can enhance the diversity within the area. So I guess we will be looking at some of these lower reef areas as some priority areas that we could work to enhance and move the corals out to. We will of course try to avoid uh, our healthier reef areas like Kula Satumu, which actually has very good coral cover there. It's already good. We don't need to do much there. So we will not go and interfere in a mature you know, reef environment that is doing quite well. Kula Hantu is a possible area. Some parts of Sisters Island um, still we feel can be enhanced. Uh, some of the lower reef areas where there's low coral cover and maybe damage from previous impacts, we'll try to enhance these areas. Uh, some areas along the western coast of uh, St. John's Island, which is within the marine park, we're also looking at that area and pull up the coupon. Growing efforts to preserve biodiversity-rich sites like Pulau Satumu, which is ringed by one of Singapore's last undisturbed coral reefs, 
is also one of the key reasons behind the delay in tenders for two fish farm sites in our southern waters. In such cases, Dr Toon emphasises that communication is key to find that perfect balance between needs. Particularly in the last 15 years or so, Singapore has been uh, promoting or pushing this approach called the Integrated Urban Coastal Management Approach. It's really a whole-of-government approach in managing activities that go on in the environment. Again, just to highlight, we don't manage the environment. The environment doesn't need managing. We need to manage the activities, human activities that impact the environment. The environment, you leave it alone, it will actually do quite well. It is when uh, the activities that impact them uh, that causes them stress. So the important thing is how do you manage the activities to ensure that you don't impart the stress that could uh, impact the ability of these habitats and the biodiversity to survive. Singapore has limited land and sea space and we need to undertake many activities within this area. So the challenge really is to find a balance of the activities and how they may impact the environment, but also leveraging on research to be able to advice how we should approach uh, certain activities. So currently, as you're aware, uh, there's a lot of discussion that's going on with SFA so that we can help Singapore reach our food security goals. And that's incredibly important in the face of climate change and what we saw during COVID. So we definitely want to help our agencies achieve that target. But at the same time, we want to make sure that the environment is safeguarded and protected in the process. Again, it's still early days. I think the research is still being undertaken. The conversations are ongoing among different agencies. So it's a works in progress, but I'm glad to say that everyone is talking to each other and we're trying to find a common solutions. With scaled-up efforts to further enhance our underwater biodiversity now in high gear, scientists like Dr Toon and Professor Huang are closely tracking how all that will pan out and if complex reef communities and indication of healthy reefs will eventually form. Corals are really what they call plastic. It's not like a tree where you plant 10 trees, you can go back and track those 10 trees and you'll be able to see them grow and measure. Corals are a bit more plastic, they have different forms and underwater they create a completely different environment. What we have seen from some of the research that's been done, so if you put out 10 individuals of 10 centimetres, in about six months time, if they merge, they form a big coral that is over 50 centimetres and you can't tell how many individuals they are because they have merged together. So it might be difficult to count them after you plant them out and give them time to grow. Um, the important thing is the numbers, we will track the numbers and we move out and we'll monitor the corals after we move them out. But over time, I think it'll be hard to track individual corals as they form a reef community. Research has also shown that some corals, depending on the species, um, they can reproduce as fast as two years after they're outplanted. Of course, that depends on quite a few things. It depends on the size, the environment, whether there's an El Nino event that raises temperature and weakens them. So quite a few things can happen. But in general, if the conditions are suitable, the corals will mature and they will be able to reproduce as they get bigger. Bleaching and thermal stress affects our reefs very differently. So having that understanding is really important because it tells us you know, which sites would actually be less affected. So if we transplant some of the corals that are more stress tolerant in sites which would be more affected by thermal stress, then you might get better outcomes from that, for instance. And then different species, of course, have different tolerances. And so being able to choose specific species for specific environments that we're growing those corals in is really important. That process takes hundreds of years and eventually that will become a reef that environment that we know we are 
And so planting corals is a good first step. We need to monitor and maintain the environmental conditions they are in for decades. Big Sisters Island, home to some of Singapore's precious reefs, is set to reopen in 2024. And that, Dr Toon hopes, will be a window of opportunity for people to get closer to Singapore's rich marine biodiversity. We are very excited. Things are progressing quite well. And we hope that when it reopens, people will get a chance to experience some of the marine environment that you will not get on mainland Singapore. And I think collective stewardship of our environment is really important. When you talk about coral reefs, it's really a foreign concept. Unless you're a diver that can go diving, you usually don't get to see the corals in our waters up close. So what we have done, um, we're building this floating boardwalk where we, we bring corals at the side. So basically by just you know looking over the railing, you will see corals growing there. You don't have to be in the water, you don't have to touch them, but you can see corals growing there. And we hope by introducing people to corals this way, there's a greater appreciation of our marine environment as well as love and respect for the biodiversity that's found in our waters. This was The Breakfast Show's monthly environment special, Climate Connections, on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.